Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Author Elena Chung tells a delightful children's story in her new book, Lainey and Leah Bake Cookies. And I get to find out all about this. Elena is here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Elena, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you so much for having me. That's my pleasure. Can you tell me all about what readers will find when they open up Lainey and Leah Bake Cookies? So this book is about two sisters who are just complete opposites, but despite their personality differences, they work very well together. And the story follows two sisters named Lainey and Leah. They venture to find a snack before dinner time. And I'm not just talking snacks in the pantry. I'm talking about a full-on adventure to go find and bake some cookies in a faraway town. And it's fueled by the power of imagination. The story is also about patience and also making mistakes. This is a children's book, like we said. Elena, would you say that this is better for younger children or older children? I would say it would be around the ages, maybe kindergarten to third grade. It's kind of my target audience for this book. And how did the idea come about for this? So my sister had always said that I was a good writer and I was working in a child care for maybe about two years as a child care teacher and I was teaching kindergarten. So I decided to blend my passion for working with the children and also writing and write a book dedicated to me and my sister. The two characters are inspired by the two of us. Hmm. What's your writing background look like, Elena? Have you ever done anything like this before? So I actually went to school for screenwriting, so Hmm. this is out of my field, but I've always loved writing. I did publish an essay that I wrote in college onto my University Central American Studies journal. So this is my first time actually publishing a book, and specifically a children's book. Oh, congratulations. Being published for that first time is a huge deal. That's fantastic. Uh, How long of a process was it for you? So the writing process was more of like a getting myself to start process. I always kind of see the big picture rather than thinking of like the first story. So that took me a bit of time. And then one night I just sat down and then I started thinking of ideas, writing it out. And then from there, I started editing the story. But in total, I also had my best friend, Jenny Lee, do illustrations for my book. And I helped out a little bit coloring here and there. But the entire process, I would say, took about a year for the writing and illustrations to get completed together. And oftentimes, new authors are just so surprised about how much is involved in the whole publishing end of things. What was the most challenging part of it for you? I think just kind of pushing for what I envision my book to be. I'm very, I'm a person that's like, okay, that looks fine. But I knew that this was something that was really important to me. So just kind of speaking my mind, saying like, I want this to look this certain way, and just kind of like advocating for myself to make sure that the book turns out the way that I wanted it to. And Elena, when that day finally came and your first copy came in, you got to hold this for the very first time. What was that like? It was amazing. I came home. I had a few friends with me and I saw the package and I like ran to them immediately. The illustrator of the book was also there with Mm. me. So that was really cool. 
I just said, oh my gosh, my book is here. So I opened it up and showed it to them and we were looking through it. And I was just really pleasantly surprised, not surprised, but more like just very happy with how it turned out and how beautiful the illustration looked on actual paper. It was really cool. Now that you are a published author, Elena, what's the most rewarding aspect of that for you? I think for me, my goal in life is to make people happy. And specifically, like as I'm working towards the education field, especially with elementary, I feel like that is something that is very rewarding for me. And I visited the elementary school that I used to work with and showed the kids the book and they were the first to ever read it. And just like the positive feedback from them. I know I was their teacher before, but just in general, having the children be genuinely interested in the story, that was the most rewarding thing for me. Again, this is titled Lainey and Leah Bake Cookies. It's written by Elena Chung and is published by Newman Springs Publishing. So go everywhere that you normally go to pick up your books, like on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Elena, how nice it's been talking with you here tonight. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you talking to me today. The new book by James D. Applegate. It's titled, Behind the Gates of Scrape Ridge Shores is one that the author says is so gripping that a bookmark won't even be needed because you're never going to put it down. So I'm finding out all about this book right here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. James is with me. James, welcome. Thanks for being here with me tonight. Thank you for having me. Uh, the pleasure's all mine. James, I, I got to know, what are readers going to find when they open this book up? Well, that's probably the most important question because that's what will get people to either read it or not. The story of Behind the Gates of Scrapebridge Shores is basically a book that's part fiction, part nonfiction, and it'll be up to the reader to determine what is real and what is actually not real. And if I had to pick a genre, I would say it's action-adventure and definitely a thriller, probably leaning towards a political thriller. It's a futuristic story set in 2017 and parallels the Bible in the sense that it is dealing with the possible end of times, the downfall of America, the government and the power elite and the media and powerful people who invent problems where there was never problems before so that America, or Americans, I should say, missed the real problem. For example, homelessness, human trafficking, cultural chaos, which are all out of control in 2017. James, how did the idea for this book come about? What sparked you to write it? You know, basically just watching what's happening in America today and then taking it to the next step. And actually just not just America, but the world and how problems have arisen that were never problems before, but they tend to look more like they are a diversion from the real problems in the country today. Now you describe this as an action-adventure thriller book. Is, is that the kinds of readers that you were going for here you think would really be into it? I do, because like I said, a lot of it is fiction, but there is nonfiction in it too. So it's going to be up to the reader to determine how much of it is truly fiction and actually how much of it is truly reality. I love it. And when it comes to writing, publishing and all of that, James, are you new to this or have you done this kind of thing before? No, in 2021, I wrote my first book called Cabinet Unforgiven. And to my 
not surprised because I knew it was a great book, <laughs> but it won two awards right off. And wow. basically, Cabinet Unforgiven is a book about a family that gets stranded on a mountaintop during a storm with a prison guard, a prisoner, and a recluse. And they all seek shelter in a remote hunting cabin. And I won't tell any more because I don't want to spoil that book. But it's definitely a book that people should read. How long of a journey was it for Scraper Ridge Shores? How long did it take to write and publish and everything? Just shy of two years. Well, we have a lot of authors listening who are just starting out. So, James, do you have any advice that you could offer them? My thing is, for me, it was very hard, especially right the first book, because I would, you know, often look out the window. I live on a lake, and I'd see people kayaking. I'd be seeing people going hiking, and I'd say to myself, why am I sitting here writing this book that may not ever be read by, you know, anyone or that many people? For me, it was just to stay focused and finish it and not rush the process. Do you think you have more books in you, James? Have you given thought to maybe what's next? I do. I started writing a book six months ago, and while this one was in publishing and everything, and I actually, it's funny you asked that because I stopped writing that book two days ago because I sat down with my wife and kind of gave her a hint to what I was writing about, and we kind of decided that I wanted to take a new approach and write something with excitement, hope, and adventure. And so I put the other book I was writing, which was on homelessness, aside for now, and I'm two paragraphs into my new book. Got a long ways to go. I think readers are really going to be into this. Again, this book is titled Behind the Gates of Scrape Ridge Shores. It's written by award-winning author James D. Applegate, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. So go everywhere that you normally go to pick up books, like on Amazon or at Barnes & Noble or on iTunes, and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you'll be able to get this. James, thank you so much again for coming on the show and telling me all about this. I had a really nice time talking. Thank you very much, and I hope this book will amaze many people. Author Chris Bertolini's new book, The Cry of My Heart, is a moving series of poems following an emotional journey. And we get to talk all about this here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. The author, Chris, is joining me now. Chris, welcome to the show. I appreciate you being here with me. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you. I'm really curious to learn about The Cry of My Heart and all the poetry in it. Can you tell me about it? Absolutely. It started actually as just journaling when I was just going through some really painful times when my husband of 18 years left me and my two boys. And the way that I processed all of that, all of the emotions, trying to find myself as a single woman, as a believer of Jesus and my faith and having two young kids and I had never lived on my own before. So actually all my poems are just journals, real life feelings that I was going through at the moment and things I was struggling with Then just decided to put them all in a book. Was there a spark that made you decide, hey, I want to get these published? I think that's just a lot of us that kind of go through the same pains and trials of life. I mean, the world can be so brutal and trying to figure all of that out by still maintaining and growing in your faith and what that looks like, I think can be really difficult. You know, I've 
aside from being divorced, I've struggled with depression. I have a child with autism. And so there's just this full range spectrum of things that I've dealt with. And I thought, you know, if I can just help one person ease the pain and just let them know that God hears you and he sees you and he cares about you. And these aren't struggles that we should feel that we have to hide, but we should embrace each other. And then I felt like it was worth it. It was a little difficult for me. It's very personal. And some of the subjects that I write, like one of my poems, I wrote about being raped. You know, it's very personal. It's very private. But I know a lot of us have been through that. And maybe we all struggle the same and we can draw on the faith of that. Now, were you speaking primarily to women here or do you think men could get something out of this too? Oh, I absolutely think men can get something out of it. I think if you're, if you have emotions, you can get something out of it. If you struggle between wanting to know, can I bring these awful thoughts or these sins that I've just committed to the feet of Christ, then you can relate. If you are wondering, how do I find my place in this world? But then I think you can relate. Chris, have you ever published before this? I have not, no. I had entered a few like poetry competitions and had won. So there may be like one or two or three of my poems published somewhere in the <laughs> spectrum of wherever those books got published, but not like this before, no. When it came to the publishing process, was that a long drawn out one for you or did it go through pretty quick? No, it was so, so easy. Mm. It was just like God just opened up all the doors, provided all of the avenues. And actually the publishing house that I went with, they were fantastic. And I was new. I had no idea what to expect. And they just helped me along. And from day one up until today, I mean, it's only grown more exciting as the time has gone by. And I can only imagine the emotions and thoughts you were experiencing whenever the book finally came in and you got to hold that physical copy for the first time. What was that like? Oh, my gosh. It was so exciting because, you know, I kind of feel like long ago when I first started this journey, God kind of put on my heart that it was going to be published. But they were such raw emotions that I just held on to them so tight. But I think there was also a very symbolic release of all of that. When I saw it in writing, it was like, okay, it's all out there and it's not just mine anymore. You know, it's going to do something better. And so, I mean, I feel not just the excitement from publishing a book, but from the emotional release and growth that publishing the book has given me. I mean, God is just good. It's like a full beauty to ashes, which beauty from ashes, sorry. <laughs> That, that they talks about in the Bible. That's kind of how it felt, something good out of something so painful. I think so many people are going to be blessed and helped and encouraged by this book. I encourage everybody listening right now, definitely seek this out. Again, it's titled The Cry of My Heart. It's written by Chris Bertolini, published by Covenant Books. So you can get it everywhere at Amazon and at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and also down the street at your local bookshop. Well, Chris, it's been wonderful talking with you today and learning about everything that went into the cry of my heart. Thanks again for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Returning to the Reader House Author Roundtable to talk about her new audiobook, The Demanding River, I'd like to welcome back author Cheryl J. Corvo. Cheryl, thanks for being here again. 
Thank you for inviting me again. Oh, it's my pleasure. Always love to talk with you. Can you tell me all about the Demanding River? What can readers expect? The Demanding River is fiction, but it's based on actual events. I owned a boat dealership on the St. Johns River in the middle of Central Florida, and it's how a woman copes in a man's business world. I had a love for boats. And my goodness, nothing that I had ever done in my life prepared me for what I was going to run into. Oh, my goodness. I did all the Fort Lauderdale and Miami boat shows. I had people that came in that bought boats that didn't have a clue about (laughs) a boat. And I never will understand. Why would you buy a 36-foot boat and not have any idea of how to operate or what it costs to operate that boat? And when I say cost, I don't mean money. I mean everything that has to go. The oil changes when they break, props bent. They really thought it was like a car and you change the oil every now and then and that's all you needed to do. I sold it after 15 years, and people would ask me after that, what did you do when you were working? Yeah. Uh-huh. Taught school, was in real estate, and I owned a boat dealership. And when I said the words, boat dealership, they said, tell us about that. So I would tell them a little bit about it. Coming out of the Fort Lauderdale Boat Show, I was pulling a 26-foot boat up I-95 North. And all of a sudden, the next thing I know, my boat that was behind me passes me. Uh-oh. And <laughs> <laughs> I eventually got it off the side of the road. Uh. But it's in the book of how all of that happens. Oh, but, my gosh. And then I tell about other things. And the book is just full of one incident after another. And when I would tell them about it, they would say, you should write a book about this. And I heard that for 20 years. And three years ago, don't ask me why, I sat down at the computer and I started typing. I wrote two pages. I got up, stood back and looked at it, went back and reread it. And I thought, well, this isn't half bad. (laughs) So the demanding river came to life. Oh, I love it. And we're talking about the audiobook edition, of course, Cheryl. So uh, what's it like? All that time you were reading the words off the page, but then you were hearing it. So the first time you heard this, what was that like for you? It was exciting. It brought back many, many memories Mm. since this was fiction, but actual events. And I made it fiction so that I didn't have to go back and get people's consents to use their name or whatever else I would have to do in order to make it actually real. So the places in the book is real. What actually happened with the boats is actually real. But the romance in the book did not happen. And the names are all different. So after hearing 20 years that you should write a book about (laughs) this, I decided I would do it. And was writer's block ever a thing for you? No. It's... (laughs) Neither is talking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. You're so fortunate in that regard. So many authors will struggle with that. But sounds like the words are just flowing for you. 
Well, they did. I mean, it was an emotional book. I would laugh at some chapters as I was writing them. I would cry in some chapters as I was writing them. It was a fun journey to remiss over. So I really enjoyed that. Well, I think readers are going to love this and audiobook listeners as well. It's titled The Demanding River. It's written by Cheryl J. Corvo. And it's published by the Audiobook Network, so go on over to Amazon or iTunes or Audible, everywhere you get your audiobooks, and you'll be able to pick this up. Well, Cheryl, it's been great talking with you again here tonight. Thanks again for being with me. Thank you for inviting me. The Magic of a Butterfly Kiss. It's the new book by Ron Knowlton. It helps readers to overcome their fears and follow their heart. And we're going to talk all about this here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Ron is with me. Ron, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you, Ron. And I'm curious about the magic of a butterfly kiss. Can you tell me what it's about? Well, it kind of just started out as an idea of I was wondering about what a butterfly thought about hmm. <laughs> <laughs> when, when he started to make a cocoon. And I just started playing with that idea and it just evolved into a story, I guess. I didn't even think I was going to write a book about it. What kinds of readers, Ron, do you think would be really into it? I had a guy that told me he bought it for his grandson, which was five years old, but he said the 12-year-old likes to read it to the five-year-old. So I really didn't have a target audience when I was writing it, but it seems like it's kind of, no matter who you are, it kind of is a cool love story, really. Hmm. You said you never expected to write this as a book. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever written or been published? No, no, never. Congratulations on getting this first one out, Ron. How long did this take you? Was it a long process for you? It was probably two or three years. Of course, like I said, I didn't really plan on writing a book. I was just writing a little story and I just kept going back to it over and over again. And it was just found out it was so much fun. Mm. You know, I just stayed with it. A lot of first-time authors are surprised sometimes by how much is involved in the publishing process. Ron, for you, what was the most challenging part of that? Yeah, I was really surprised <laughs> at how there's a lot more to it than just saying I've written this and let's publish it, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I was really surprised at how much work was involved after the book was written in the editing process and then all the artwork that had to go into it and everything. I was kind of actually shocked that it took as long as it did to get it done. And when it came to the artwork and the cover and all of that, Ron, was that an easy process? It was for me because I had Covenant Books do all of the artwork on it, and they would just bounce all this stuff off of me and back and forth. Their team just, I felt like they just really nailed it. It came out better than I expected it ever would. Yeah, it is a beautiful book. Yeah. So, Ron, what was it like when you finally got that physical copy of this and you got to hold your book for the first time? What was going through your head? <laughs> you know, honestly, I was just proud of myself. I graduated from high school. I barely could read when I graduated high school. I hate to tell mm -hmm. everybody that. And reading held me back all through school. And so to be able to, you know, thank goodness for spell check and, mm -hmm. and, being, <laughs> and the modern ability to just type something out and then just eliminate it again and start over if you wanted to just helped me so much. And it made the process enjoyable. It was a lot of fun. Well, now, looking down the road, Ron, do you see yourself doing it again? Do you think you got another book in you? 
I do have not the same type of book. I think The Magic of a Butterfly Kiss was just kind of a test for me to see if I could even do it. Do you know what a butterfly kiss is, by the way? I don't. <laughs> well, it's odd because when I had my girls were little, they would put their face real close to my cheek and bat their eye and their little eyelashes would brush on my cheek. We called that a butterfly kiss. And it's one of the sweetest things you'll ever have a little kid do for you. <laughs> Well, I'm sure this was quite the learning experience for you, Ron. Uh, What advice now would you have for authors who are just starting out? I think if they're like me, it's very time consuming. I mean, you have to kind of get in the zone when you're writing and when you get interrupted and you're doing something else. and, And that's why it takes me so long to write a book. But the one I'm writing now, it just almost seems like when I sit down and start writing an edit, almost like somebody's just dictating it to me. It's a war story. It's about my wife's dad, and he was a war hero, actually. And it's just amazing how easy it is to write about it. But anybody starting out, I'd just say, if it gets hard, just take a break. Step back from it for a little while, but don't quit thinking about it. And then go back and you'll pick up where you left off. Well, this sounds like a wonderful book. I think people are going to love it. Again, this is titled The Magic of a Butterfly Kiss. It's written by Ron Knowlton and is published by Covenant Books. So pick it up at Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes and also down the street at your local bookshop. Well, Ron, it's been wonderful talking with you here today. Thanks so much for being on. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. The new book I'm looking at right now is an uplifting resource for personal empowerment in the pursuit of full trust in God. It's titled, How to Transform Your Life by Releasing Your Faith. It's a book written by Esther Brandt, and I'm going to talk all about it. Esther is here with me now. Esther, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you, Arthur. I appreciate you being here. Can you tell me all about what readers will find when they open up How to Transform Your Life by Releasing Your Faith? Well, the book is about standing firm and trusting God despite circumstances and actually seeing the manifestation and positive change in your life through your faith in God. That is the theme of the book. Were you writing for a specific reading audience here, Esther? Yes, my, my books are mostly focused towards the women, but also men will really benefit from the book as well. You can be single, married, widowed, or divorced. You can be a teenager, but it's really, I've been writing a lot to women. And I feel it's because these women, like in the prime of their lives, and sometimes they feel discouraged with all the life challenges, the roadblocks, sometimes shame and guilt. But I feel, you know, by writing this book, the title itself will really help to inspire them and to really remind them and also to infuse right scriptures that will help them as they transform their ashes into beauty. Hmm. Esther, what sparked the idea for this book? How did it come about? Ooh, uh, (laughs) (laughs) the book came about really because I'm from a very large family, first of all, and there was a lot of turmoil in my family, so to speak. And my mother, who passed away last year, God bless her soul, was a very strong woman of faith. And I saw how she prayed and trust God despite the circumstances. So for me, I wanted to put this down in writing and really put it on paper so it can be an impact to someone else. And I feel that, you know, my faith in God continued to increase us for me personally, too. I went through a divorce and now I'm remarried. And I saw the changes in my life just by trusting God, and not just God himself, but my relationship with God, you know, knowing what he's able to do and how he's promised to be with us. 
And so I feel like this book really would be an impact to other women who are going through some of the same things that I've gone through. But my mother's faith has really inspired me to write. Mm. When it comes to writing and publishing and all of that, Esther, have you done this before or is this your first time at it? This is my second book. My first book was published in November of 2022. It's called Journey of Faith, Finding Purpose to Grief and Loss. So this is my second book that I'm actually publishing. And then I published like a breathing journal, a 21-guide-inspired uh, journal, and also a 52-week prayer journal. So oh, wow. I have a couple of things out there, but they were all self-published. This is my first one published by a publishing company. This is a huge accomplishment as well. Yeah, definitely. And when it comes to the publishing end of things and everything that's involved there, Esther, what part of that did you find the most challenging for you? Ooh. <laughs> That's a very good question. <laughs> the most challenging was the back and forth with emails, you know, from my publishing agent and the editors. And I'm wondering, okay, when is this book going to be published? Because it took, it took almost a year. Mm. And I knew it would take longer than the first book because I was publishing it, self-publishing. I had my deadlines. But you have to wait on the deadlines of your publishing company. So that's the most challenging, I think. But all in all, it went well. It went very well. Great. You got to tell me about that moment when you finally get your first copy in and you get to hold your book for the first time. You know, you've been seeing everything up on the computer screen all that time, and mm-hmm. now it's a real thing. What was that like? Well, it was, whew, finally, finally done. Yeah, there was a relief, <laughs> number one. There was also joy that I have done this again, you know, but also a little bit of fear that, oh boy, now the whole world is going to see my struggles. <laughs> the whole world is going to know about all the things I've gone through, because I mentioned some of those in the book. But at the same time, I was quickly reminded the reason for writing the book, you know, so the world will know me and perhaps be able to identify with my story. Someone will be able to identify with the story and be healed. So even though I had the moment of fear and I also had peace, I also had joy, you know, when the book was finally done. So thank God for that. Well, I know that readers are going to be uplifted and find healing in the pages of this book. I encourage everybody listening to check this out. Again, it's titled How to Transform Your Life by Releasing Your Faith. This is written by Esther Brandt and published by Christian Faith Publishing. So head over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or take a walk down the street to your local bookshop and you'll be able to find this. Esther, thank you so much again for joining me here and telling me all about your work. I had a nice time talking tonight. I do too. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. God bless. The new book by Charles C. Moore. The Ages of Abraham's Genealogy and His Descendants addresses what he says is one of the most overlooked subjects in the Bible. And we're going to find out more about this. The author, Charles, is sitting with me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Charles, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. It's good to be able to talk about the book. Yeah, I'm really interested in learning more about it. Can you tell me what it's all about, Charles? The ages of Abraham's genealogy is just actually given the physical ages and connecting all of the genealogies that Abram was connected to, even at his birth. And so the Bible gives you two genealogies in the Bible with ages of birth and death. And so we've connected those together to see how many genealogies, how many generations are actually connected together. What sparked the idea for this book, Charles? Well, I was actually doing a Bible lesson, and the subject matter was dealing with the second coming of Jesus Christ. And then the New Testament, it talks about as the days of Noah were. 
so will the coming of the Son of Man be. I said, the days of Noah were. Huh, what were the days of Noah like? Because Noah was in that flood, and was it before or after? And so I just started looking at that and then connecting the dots and seeing that, wow, I never really picked up on the fact that how Noah's dad, Lamech, was able to give him his name in the sense that he said that he shall comfort us from the curse. And I said, how did Lamech know about the curse? Who was around sharing about the curse in the Garden of Eden? And so one thing led to another, and I just started connecting the dots and began to find out that Adam was still alive when Lamech was born. And, you know, the scripture says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So somebody has to be sharing and somebody is sharing the word of God. And it, you connect the ages together, you see who's all around, who's all available. Wow, that's really interesting. Charles, this sounds like a book that might have taken you a long time to put together. Was that the case? Well, actually, I've been sitting on it for the longest, to be honest with you. <laughs> but I did it back in 95. I was doing a lesson. I did the first chart. I did the chart of the genealogies, and then I wrote a book about the stories that are in the chart. It took quite a bit of time, but it really kind of opens up your imagination when you start looking at it. I know you're probably saying, boy, he has a fertile imagination, but man, when you see who's still around, it's just kind of amazing. So yeah, it reveals a lot of stories that you don't really talk about. Uh, prior to this, Charles, had you been published? No, 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 no. I tried to get the charts. They said that they had charts like that. And to be honest with you, nobody that I knew of at that time had charts with the physical ages of the patriarchs of Noah's time as well as in Adam's time. They would give you just the age that was given, but they wouldn't give you the next age. You know, Adam at 130 begat Seth, and he lives 800 years, and he dies at 930. Well, what happens in those 800 years? Hmm. Who is he around? And I connected those dots. That's interesting. That's something I don't think a lot of people would even think about. Exactly, exactly. And that's why I knew that that publishing company who told me that they have something like this. No, you don't have anything like this. Or I wouldn't have, you know, tried to go in somebody else's territory. It was a novel, but it's real. And the book connects by scripture all the ages. I actually show line by line how those ages are tied together. Well, what a fascinating book this is. I think people are really going to be into it. Again, this is titled The Ages of Abraham's Genealogy and His Descendants. This is written by Charles C. Moore, published by Christian Faith Publishing. So you can find it everywhere. Head over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you'll be able to pick it up. Well, Charles, thank you so much for coming on the show and telling me all about this. I had a nice time. Well, I thank you for taking the time and the questions that you ask. I hope that you receive some insight onto why one might need to take a look at the book. <laughs> The new novel, written by Brenda J. Scruggs, titled Love is in the Air. It's based on true events, and the audiobook edition is out now. And we're going to find out more about this. Brenda is here with me. Brenda, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. I appreciate you being here. 
Thank you, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm so glad you're here. I'm curious to learn all about Love is in the Air. So, Brenda, can you tell me all about it? Yes, and let me preface it by saying love is in the air. This is February, and tomorrow is Valentine's Day. You're right. So love, mm. is truly, <laughs> love is truly in the air. I love it. Yeah, my book is about two people who are opposites. One is a Christian and one is an atheist. They knew each other in high school, but they didn't date or anything like that. They just knew of each other. But 52 years later, they met and they fell in love. So therein lies the problem. You've got one person who's a staunch Christian and has all of the Christian beliefs, and then the other one who is just the exact opposite, and their family is the same, and yet and still they are in love. So the book takes you through twists and turns of their relationship, and whether they will make it or not, I'm not going to say. You'll have to read the book <laughs> to find out if there is a positive outcome or not. Brenda, what sorts of readers were you writing for here? Actually, this is a good book for people, older people who don't have much to do, but they like to read. This is a good book for them, as well as for the younger ladies who are interested in men, too. I think men would find it interesting as well. Brenda, I'm curious what sparked this book. Where did the idea for it come from? I was talking with a friend one day, and she just happened to share what was going on in her life with her friend. And she said, I'm going to write him a letter for 100 days. It's going to be a love letter, and I'm going to put it in the mail and send it to him and do that for 100 days. And she said, I think that will add more to our relationship, and he'll really understand how much I love him. And when I heard her say that, I thought, hmm. Now, that would make a good book. So I incorporated the fact that Lauren, in the story, wrote to Frederick 100 days. She sent him a love letter for 100 days. And here again, whether it made a difference or not, I'm not going to say. You have to read the book to find that out. Mm, I love it. <laughs> but that's where I got the idea. I got the idea from the friend. What does your writing background look like, Brenda? Have you ever done this kind of thing before? Yes, but believe it or not, this was my first romance novel. Hmm. I have a children's book. It's called The Cornerstone that I wrote some years ago. And then I just recently published 16 Ways to Enhance Success, as well as I have an adult coloring book that's oh, out. Wow. But this is my first romance novel, and I'm going to start shortly on Love is in the Air Part 2. So stay tuned. <laughs> So we're talking about the audiobook edition of this. So what was it like hearing your book as opposed to reading it all this time? Oh, wonderful, wonderful. It just puts you right there. You know, when, you, when you're reading it yourself, you kind of see things, so forth and so on. But for me, when you hear it, it just puts you right there in the spot. So I can see people driving down the street listening to this or just at home listening to it. But I think listening to it would be better than reading it. So, yeah, the Audible, I think, is going to do well. When it comes to everything you got to do in the publishing process for books, there's just so much involved. Brenda, what's the most challenging part of that for you? Waiting. Waiting mm. for it to get out there once I've done with it and gotten it to a publisher. The waiting and the anticipation is hard, and it's a challenge. Writing, for me, comes easy. For some reason, once I have an idea and I start writing, the ideas just start coming, just start coming, and I start writing. Sometimes I wake up in the wee hours of the morning with an idea, and I'll get up and I'll write that down. Then there are times when I don't want to write, not in the mood, can't do it. 
but when I start writing, it just flows. And Love is in the Air, I think this was like a year and a half to two year project. Well, this is an audiobook that I think will be a blessing to an awful lot of readers and audiobook listeners. Again, the title is Love is in the Air. It's written by Brenda J. Scruggs, published by the Audiobook Network. So go wherever you usually go to get your audiobooks, and you'll find this, like on Amazon or iTunes or Audible. Brenda, thanks so much for coming on the show and telling me all about this. I had such a nice time with you. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Readers will be treated to a heartfelt collection of poetry that offers encouragement and a sense of comfort in The Cleft of the Rock. It's the new book by Doug Strutz. And we're going to be talking all about this. Doug is here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Doug, welcome. Thank you for joining me tonight. That's a privilege to be here. I'm really happy that you're here with me, Doug. And I'm curious about The Cleft of the Rock. Can you tell me about it? Well, uh, back when I was about 20 years of age, a friend of ours came by and told us that a lady that lived four houses down from my grandmother was killed due to domestic assault. And over the years, I've found three ladies that I knew personally that were killed for that reason. And after the third one passed away, the light came on. And I decided to look into it from the scriptures, see what the scriptures had to say about it. Went through the entire Bible and read it, and it came up with 235 passages of scripture on that particular subject of violence against men, women, children, or animals. So I called over 200 churches up and down the Red River Valley in North Dakota. So I wrote some poetry on Mother's Day, Father's Day, cancer, the death of a child, all these other ones. To make a long story short, had it dedicated my church, and then I started the process of writing this book. And this is the result of the, the product. Have you ever done any sort of publishing like this before? Our state celebrated its birthday in 89, and I wrote a cookbook to celebrate our nation's birthdays, and I had all 50 states represented out of it, and I didn't know how to put a barcode on it. So I sold them out of the trunk of my car. I had a lady that I used to work with me. She uh, went into marketing, and she said I did a really good job at selling that book. She was kind of impressed that I sold that many books. She was one of the many ladies that kept me motivated to keep going through this because there's many times I just wanted to throw it in the closet and put it in file 13, forget about it. But I just kept, you know, the Lord wants you to do this. So keep going after this and keep plugging along because, you know, there's going to be some good out of it. And when it comes to the publishing process, there's a lot involved there, Doug. What did you find the most challenging part of that for you? I knew enough to edit the book. And I edited it like four or five times before I sent it into Faith Publishing. And then they needed it edited about four, five, six more times. And for once in my lifetime, I got sick and tired of editing a book. <laughs> I mean, it was like, are you serious? How many times we got to go through this? I mean, this is incredible. I mean, I thought I had it all spit and polished by the time when I sent it in there. The continuous re-editing and re-editing, that was the hardest thing I found. The other thing I had an issue with a little bit was to find various subjects and themes to write on the subject. I have one where I use a nautical theme. So once I come up with a theme, I could put it together and then work like a jigsaw puzzle, put the pieces together and come up with the poetry. Do you see yourself publishing another, do you think? Yes. This is the first one. And if this one flies, I've got poetry for Mother's Day and Father's Day. And then also I have one just on domestic violence. I've been taking notes on suicide, and I also took notes on the concept of friendship. 
So I've got notes on those subjects. So we'll see uh, where that goes. But, but we'll see how this one goes first. Well, Doug, we have a lot of people listening right now or authors just starting out in this whole world of publishing. So what is your best piece of advice that you could give them? Step out in faith. And that's a big step because you don't see the bottom. It's a big fear factor. But if you step out in faith, trust the Lord that he will do this. If you put your trust and faith in him and step out and go for it, he will carry you through. There was many times I just wanted to just give it up. But it's like, you know, no, no, no. He wants you to do this. So keep going for it. Do this for him. Not for yourself. Do that for him. What a wonderful book this sounds like. I really think readers are going to love it. Again, the title is The Cleft of the Rock. This is written by Doug Strutz and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere, like on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Doug, thanks a lot for coming on the show and telling me all about The Cleft of the Rock and everything else that you're into. I had a nice time. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. The new book by Darla Bussinger, titled Nana and Papa Farmer's Christmas Tree Adventure, tells a charming tale about the reason for the season. And we're going to talk all about it here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Darla is sitting with me. Darla, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad I'm going to find out more about this book. Can you tell me all about it? Well, I can tell you that there was a portion of this book, how it started was true. So it's about a crazy event at Nana and Papa Farmer's house when they bring their Christmas tree home. And it also tells about the grandchildren, how they work together to become heroes, actually, in the end of the book. So it's kind of a fun story. It does sound fun. What sorts of readers were you writing for here? Ages about 3 to 10. I think any child from that age up to about 10 would love to read this. And Darla, what sparked this book? How did the idea for it come about? Well, actually, it was a portion of this. It was a true event that happened. And my three of my grandchildren were coming to the house. And I told them that I would write them a story. And they don't forget anything. And I did. I forgot to write the story. So they were about 45 minutes out. And all of a sudden, I realized I had not written the story for them. So I sat down and wrote the story. We tweaked it a little bit by the time it went to print, but that's what it took is 45 minutes under pressure, and I had my story. <laughs> wow. Have you ever done anything like this before? No. Actually, that was the first time, well, I've written stories or told stories to the kids over the years, but nothing to that extent. I had an idea, and it sparked it, and I loved every minute of writing that through that story. So this is a quick write. Now, when it came to the publishing process, was that a longer thing for you? It was much longer. <laughs> <laughs> that took about a year. Once mm. I finally decided to take it to print and thought through that, it took about a year to tweak everything, get it the way we really wanted it. We did change some words and, you know, the way everything flowed through the book. My daughter helped a little bit as well and kind of worked that through and got it to print finally. And in a book like this, the artwork is really important. So what was that process like? That, I ended up having to page by page go through. The first rendition wasn't what I was looking for. But then I realized because it was the first time through, I really needed to make it plain what was in my head so the illustrator knew how I wanted it. 
Mm. So by the time we got to that, they understood. So I went page by page and told them what I'd like to see on there. And so that was a learning thing for me. I know going forward what you'd need to do, but I didn't know on the onset how that would look like. So we got it together and worked it out. Wonderful. There's so much involved when it comes to publishing a book. What part of that was the most challenging for you? Probably just realizing how much I needed to input into it and page by page, how I wanted it to look and where that would go on the page and that type of thing. So it was just learning what was expected of me and that difference of what I expected the publishing house to do. So it was just getting myself through that to know the wording, you know, making this large or small and how we could divide a page or not divide a page or what that would look like. So it was just Part of that was a learning curve on all pieces is knowing what I needed to do and what that looked like. It was up to me to figure that part of it out. And I learned a lot about that. So it was good. Wonderful. And there's nothing like seeing the finished product. So Darla, when you finally got to hold this book for the first time, what was that like? It was sweet. Actually, it was very sweet. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because you do put time and, you know, you have a feeling of what you want it to be. And when you finally get to that point, you finally get it in your hands. It feels like you've accomplished something that here we are. It's finally here. And it feels like I've done it. I did it. You know, I got it to this point. And it feels so sweet when you get to that point. Mm. I think so many readers will love this wonderful book. Again, the title is Nana and Papa Farmer's Christmas Tree Adventure. It's written by Darla Bussinger, published by Christian Faith Publishing. So, of course, you can get it everywhere. Go on over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you'll be able to find it. Darla, thank you so much again for coming on the show and telling me all about this. I had a really nice time. Thank you again. I really appreciate talking with you, and it's been a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. 